um, you're all beautifully and uniquely anointed. And so um, keep going, keep pressing. I encourage you, if you think you're being left out of the kingdom or you don't know what your place is, God is going to reveal it to you because you are needed in the kingdom of God. You are special and you are called and God is going to use you. So keep pressing, keep going. And I just love all of you. So the people I'm used to teaching are usually in diapers. Um, so the fact that y'all are potty trained is throwing me off. Um, so I had to kind of switch up my teaching strategies and um, leave the puppets and the snacks at home. Sorry, I didn't bring those. Um, but sorry, um, we're not going to play any games. We're not going to play any games. But um, fun fact about me, um, I have issues. Okay, there was supposed to be more to that sentence, but it just felt right to kind of stop there. Uh, no, I have issues with um, staying focused. <laughs> and so I have like 50 tabs open all the time. At any given moment, there's at least 50 open. Um, so I have to have visuals. Brother Logan's helping me out. Oh, there I am, that's weird. Um, <laughs> I have to have visuals. The youth know when I'm in charge of the lessons at my house. There's usually a game. There's some kind of paper I hand out, a visual of some kind, because it helps me to stay focused with my brain. So maybe it'll help you. Hopefully Logan can figure it out. If not, that's okay. I'll try not to get off track anyhow. Um, I appreciate the word Sister Dees gave last week. That was anointed word. Um, as a fellow hider, <laughs> I need to be reminded not to hide and that I am the light of the world. So thank you for that reminder. Um, she left off at Matthew 5.16. So we're going to pick up today at Matthew 5.17. Um, you guys can go there if you have your Bibles. And you can stand as well. I think that would be appropriate. So uh, I'm only, I only have four verses tonight, so we'll just go through the first two and stop and talk, and then we'll go back through the last two at the end. Still hear pages turning, so we'll wait. Okay, verse 17, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. So you can be seated. I'll give you a thumbs up. So where do we start? Oh, okay, we're there. Okay, good. So when Pastor Dees told me it was only four verses, and he was like, you don't have to take too long. It could be short. I was like, cool, cool, because I am not long-winded, and I am a nervous talker. Um, so four verses sounded good. Um, but then I read verse 17. Woo! We can be here all night. Uh, everything I feel like we believe hinges right here. This is our foundation. So... Even if we know the information or we've heard it a thousand times, it's always good to just go back through your foundation, make sure everything is uh, crossed and dotted, and that um, we know what we're talking about here. 
Um, so let's go and just break down verse 17. I'll just read it again real quick. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So, Brother Logan, you can change it. So what is the law? What are we even talking about when we say the law? So we're talking about here that word in that scripture is the law of Moses. You can go again, Brother Logan. There we go. We're talking about the law of Moses, um, often called the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, Jesus also throws in the prophets in that scripture. So now we're kind of talking about pretty much the whole Old Testament. But the law of Moses specifically is what we'll go through. Um, so God gives uh, Moses the law. If you want to go through and know exactly what the law is, you can go to Exodus 19 and read and read and read and read and read and then just keep going till you get to Leviticus and read and read some more, come up for some air and then keep going. Um, there's a lot of law there. It's very, very, very specific. Um, and it kind of had to be for the time. Um, and I've, I've seen it broken down a lot of different ways, a lot of different categories. Some break it down into two, some break it down into seven. Because um, as humans, we like to categorize things. We have a need for that. Um, but I kind of broke it down into three for today. Um, so I like to think of them like umbrellas. Again, I'm visual. So we got umbrellas. Um, the first umbrella being the moral law. So this is going to deal with our matters of the heart, right? We're talking Ten Commandments here. We're talking uh, rules and laws about murder, lying, robbery, adultery, covetousness, those type of laws. Um, so those are the law dealing with the heart. The next umbrella that the law falls under is going to be the ecclesiastical law. Um, these deal more with the matters of the church government and how they deal with the people. So... Under this law, we're talking like Sabbath days, ceremonies, days of atonement, um, anything that's really ceremonial is going to fall under this umbrella. And then our third umbrella is going to be the civil laws. And so those have to do with um, the daily life of Israel. So conducting business, buying, trading, selling, how do we treat the poor, how do we treat our neighbors, anything people to people related. So we have our heart to God related with the moral, we have the church to the people relating with government, and then we have people to people relating. And that's what the, the law is. It's all one law, but you can break it into those three categories. So Moses gets the law from God up on the mount. He writes down the tablets. He comes down. The tablets break. It's a thing. He has to go get more. Um, if you want to read the specifics, go to Exodus and, and read that. Um, so why have a law? What's the point? So beyond the practical applications, I mean, they're coming out of Egypt, the Israelites, and they lived a completely different life. They were slaves. So they had to know how to live. They had to be retrained how to live. So those are the practical applications of having a law. Um, but beyond that, beyond the practical day-to-day -day life of the law, why do we have it? What is the point? Um, we can go to Psalms 1 and 1, if you want to go there. This is my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. Don't ask me why. It just always feels like I'm home when I read it. I don't know why. But it's a beautiful scripture, or passage, I should say. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf, is al- his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So in this scripture, um, we have this principle laid out for us that one, we're supposed to delight in the law. It's given to us for a delight. But two, that we're supposed to meditate on it. And that meditation is so important. We also see in Joshua 1 and 8, you don't have to go there, I'll just read it, um, the same principle of meditation leading and the causal effect of success and prospering if you meditate. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we see meditation and success very closely linked. Um, And that word meditate is so important um, because I think a lot of people think of it all in your head, which it is. You're meditating and you're pondering and you're thinking of the scriptures and thinking of the law. Um, But there's also another connotation to that word meditate um, in the Hebrew language, and it is to say or to speak in a low tone or to murmur. And so meditating, it starts here and then it comes out. And so we're thinking of the word and we're saying the word and that causes us to hear it. And then we, when we hear it, we think it. Um, and then we say it again. Um, and so we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're meditating and we're thinking of the word of God and we're speaking the word, we're hearing the word and that's going to produce faith in us. And so a big function of the law is to produce faith in us. And if we... Uh, go to Galatians 3.23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So I always thought uh, schoolmaster here meant the teacher, um, but schoolmaster here in this, this sense is actually the servant who was responsible for leading the students to the teacher. And so that is what the law does to us. So through that meditation on the word and that causing us to have faith, we're brought by faith to the creator of the law. Um, and so that is why uh, one application of the law. My tablet is acting funny, I'm sorry. So it's, it's no wonder we would be prosperous and successful if we meditate, um, because think of all the things that faith brings. Faith brings salvation. Um, by grace, we are saved through faith. Um, it brings answer to prayer. Um, and all things whatsoever we shall ask in prayer, believing we shall receive. The fruit of the Spirit comes by faith. So we have joy, we have love, we have peace. Those are all things that are, cause us to be successful and prosperous. And so we need those things. We need that faith brought on by the law and by the word and by meditating on the word. Okay, and so the second reason I have, you can go ahead, Logan. Oh, you weren't even on that one. Okay, next one. There we go, next one. There we go. Okay, so the second reason for the law. Oh, thank you. Fancy schmancy. Okay, Romans 7, 9 through 11. 
I hope you guys love the word because I have a lot of scripture. I can't do anything without it. Okay. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that might appear sin, worketh working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So that's a lot of words. Um, but essentially, <laughs> the law just took a big flashlight and just showed it upon our sin. We were sinning before, but, before, but now by the law, we, we see it. And because we see it, we realize there is a standard to live by. Um, and we realize if there's a standard to live by, we are... F- we can never achieve righteousness that way. We are held accountable to it, and now we, we have uh, wages for sin, which is death. Um, so sin puts us in debt. It shines light upon our sin, um, and that is a reason for the law. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the fulfillment of the law. So now we're back in Matthew uh, 5, 18. We made it through the first verse, praise God. Uh, Now we're on the second verse. And it says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all the law be fulfilled. So (laughs) my husband can um, tell you I am a little bit of a nerd. Um, I keep it hidden pretty well. But there's a few things that kind of bring it out of me, and one of them is language. I love the dictionary. I love. I read it for fun, um, which is pretty pathetic. No, it's not awesome. It's pathetic. Um, <laughs> but things like this, this verse actually is very exciting to me because I get to talk about language. So you're going to see my nerd. Okay, so what is a jot and what is a tittle? Um, these are things that if you just read and, and pass them by, They mean nothing, but if you dig into them a little bit, we can find out they have a meaning here. So what is a jot? I have the visual up here, and to the right is an actual jot. And it is the 10th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the transliteration of that in Greek would be the 8th letter, so if you were to translate it. Um, And it's the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, If you've ever heard anyone say, like, I don't care one iota what you think. That's rude. I'm sorry that they said that to you, but it's a good way to remember it because it means they don't care even a little bit what you think. Um, So that's a good way to remember it. It is the smallest letter. Um, And a tittle is the other one that's circled on the left, and that's even smaller because it's not even a letter. It's just a distinguishing mark in the Hebrew language. Um, So I like to think of it like in English, we have a Q and an O. And the only reason you know it's a Q is the little line on the bottom. Um, Otherwise, they'd both be O's. So we have uh, that little distinguishing mark called a tittle. So he says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So we can glean from that that one, God's word is true, and we need to stand upon it. Um, But also, 
uh, every intricate detail of the law is going to be fulfilled. Absolutely nothing is going to be left. There's people that like to have philosophies that some parts are fulfilled, some are not. Jesus himself said, I'm going to fulfill it, and every single part is going to be fulfilled. Everything down to the smallest detail, and there's a lot of details. So God's word is true, and he means it. So there we go. Okay. So now what does that fulfillment mean? Again, with the language, this word fulfill, I don't know how to say it in Greek. I don't know the Greek language. It, it's like plero or something like that, but it's got the in it because they talk like I don't know. Um, ignore that. Look it up on your own. <laughs> but anyway, what the word means uh, has a couple of different meanings here. Uh, to cause, to abound, uh, to furnish or supply liberally, to fill to the top so that nothing shall be wanting to full measure or to fill to the brim or to make complete in every particular or to render perfect, to carry through to the end or accomplish. Um, so I put a glass of water on there to make that analogy that, um, I mean, we're the cup, right? And the law would be the water. And Jesus has come to say, I'm not tossing out the water out of the cup. I'm not going to toss it out and then fill juice in it. I'm not creating something new here. Um, but that there's something missing in the cup. The glass is half empty. So the law came, and it did what it was supposed to do, but it, it, it couldn't do everything. It couldn't complete something. Some things were left missing in that cup. And so Jesus is saying, I'm not dumping the water out, but I'm going to fill it all the way to the top, and I'm going to uh, complete it to the brim. And knowing Jesus and his abundance, he's going to make it overflow. So um, that's what that word complete means. So why is the law incomplete? What doesn't it do? Um, Hebrews 7.19 says the law made nothing perfect. And so the law does a great job of setting God's perfect standard, but it doesn't give us the power to live up to that standard or to keep that standard. So it shows us our sin, but it doesn't give us a way of escaping that sin. Um, what it does do is very well is uh, create legalism. And so if you don't know what legalism is, it's uh, trying to do things or do actions and following the rules and following the laws to receive God's righteousness. And that's never what the law was meant to do. Uh, we cannot achieve righteousness by doing good works. Um, it's just not the principle of God. So... Uh, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes were great at doing that, but we're not supposed to. So laws in the, of themselves is not bad. The law is not bad. We need laws. We need rules. Even in our society, if you steal a loaf of bread from the store and the cop shows up and you tell him, oh, you're legalistic. You know, I, don't, I can't get in trouble because we don't need rules. That's not going to end well for you. You're going to go to jail. Um, but it's what, what do we do with those rules? What do we do with those laws? Are we using them to try to be righteous? Um, that's where the, uh, the problem with the law comes, and that's what makes it incomplete. So how is that law fulfilled? Okay. You want to go to Hebrews 4.15? Hebrews 4.15 
Hebrews 4.15 For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So Jesus fulfilled the law first by obeying the law. Um, he perfectly carried out the law, which is how we know he's the only person qualified to pay the wage of sin for our death. Um, and the second way he fulfilled the law is providing a way of salvation. Um, and we're going to find that in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became sin who knew no sin. No, just kidding. Um, anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll just move on, move on, move on. Uh, no, but he literally became sin um, be, and knew no sin. And uh, he hung on the cross so that we could be made righteous. Um, previously, the law showed us our sin with no way of achieving righteousness and salvation. But through faith in Jesus, we receive that righteousness that the law left empty. Um, so he fulfilled the law completely. Um, so I have heard people, and I actually was in a discussion not that long ago with someone, and they, they said, oh, you know, Jesus came and he fulfilled the, the covenants and the sacrificing and all that by becoming a sacrifice, but he didn't fulfill the moral law, so we still, you know, we still have to obey the moral law and stuff, which we do, but he did come to fulfill the moral law in a, in a com very complete way. Um, in Jeremiah 31, 33, it says, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So God fulfilled the moral law by taking that law and putting it in our hearts. Um, that's his, it's his spirit now that guides our hearts and tells us what to do and guides us on whether we should go this way or that way. We, do, we don't have to go to a priest and, and give sacrifices and all that. And, and, you know, we have that spirit within us that teaches us which way to go. Um, I'm going to skip that part. All right, so now we are in verse 20 of Matthew 5. And it says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to know what Jesus thinks about Pharisees and scribes, uh, read Matthew 23, the whole chapter. Um, it is brutal. Um, the words whitewashed tombs are thrown around. He says they're dirty on the outside, but not clean on the inside. If Jesus ever says any of that stuff to me, I will cry and break down. It is brutal. 
Um, but at the time, the scribes and the Pharisees were the, the great standard of righteousness. People looked to them and they kind of made it known that they were holier than everybody else. They were righteous. And they, and they thought that way because of the thinking of the time, which is, I can do enough, I can follow the law, I can carry out these ceremonies, and I become righteous. They had a legalistic mindset, and people looked at them like that. Um, but Jesus never, ever looked at them as if they were righteous. Um, so how do we exceed this righteousness? We have to receive the righteousness that Jesus imputed to us that they rejected. So they rejected Jesus's righteousness um, because they believed their righteousness was what they did and the acts that they did. But they didn't have a need for a healer because they had healing rituals. They didn't have need for a savior because they had saving rituals. Faith to them was absolutely useless. So by denying faith in Jesus, they were denying all the beautiful gifts that Jesus had for them of healing and deliverance and saviors. But we can overcome their righteousness by accepting those things for ourselves. We can accept faith in Jesus and accept that he is our healer and he is our provider and he died for us. And if we accept that, we become instantly more righteous than them. Um, I'm actually going to end here. I'm going to end on this scripture that we started to read in Galatians, but the last part of it is powerful, so I'll read that. Galatians 3.25. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Jesus Christ. So Jesus came and fulfilled the law for absolutely everybody, and you are not excluded from that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, can we close our eyes, lift our hands right now? The word of God is anointed. Every jot, every tittle, every little bit of it, Lord, we receive it right now. Lord, help us, Lord, to cherish, God, to receive your word, your instruction in our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for the beauty of your instruction. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us and teaching us and helping us to grow. Hallelujah. We honor you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Settle it in our hearts tonight. Mm, open our minds to this. Mm, Jesus, praise God. Praise God. Um, hallelujah. Amen. Um, this is so good. I want to, uh, Sister Bianca, thank you so much. Um, I would love for, I, I can't see what time it is right now. Okay, praise God. Um and, and not necessarily that, you know, you have to answer them or anything like that. But what about question, any questions or maybe thoughts or maybe even more insight about the scriptures that we went over tonight? And maybe something that the Lord uh, impressed on your heart as, as that teaching went forward. Um, 
um, any questions or understand what was said, what was taught. Um, if I could piggyback a little bit, because it, it was just, it's, it stirred my heart so much, just, um, and you, you said something about how the law itself was good. The law has never, has never been bad but it exposed um, our lack. It exposed our lack. And so, um, and I was just kind of thinking in terms of how, what happens is when someone gets exposed, the Bible says this, it says, light came into the world, but men love darkness because their deeds were evil. And so it says, he that doeth truth comes to the light, John chapter 3. He that doeth truth comes to the light to show that his deeds are rotten God. And so I was thinking about that. So the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, like it was brought out. It's, it was to bring us to Jesus Christ, to give us a desire that says, I want to be made righteous. I, wanna, I, want, I can't accomplish it in the law, but if I'm doing truth, if I'm sincere, it brings me to the, the exposure of the light of the law brings me to a place that says I need a savior versus those that the law is there and it shined in their hearts, but they come against it and hide away from it. And those are the people that talk bad about the law. They talk bad about the word of God. They say it's not true. It's, it's old. It doesn't apply to me. Because instead of allowing it to bring us to the Savior, we reject it and we try and desecrate the law. And obviously not, not us, but I think about that. We have to be very careful that when God's instruction comes forth, comes forth it's very easy to uh, disregard it or bring it down or even bring down, bring down the message or bring down the messenger because I don't want to submit to it. And so the purpose of the law is not to tell you, hey, this is what you can do. It's saying this is what you need a savior for. This is what you need Jesus for. Amen. And so I love that. She said that he, he's the one that fulfilled everything. So everything that I read, it's not that it's wrong to do it. I can't do it in my own strength. He did it. And my faith in him is that he accomplished that, and then that's what he's going to produce in me. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thoughts, questions about the law, about fulfilling the law. Matthew 5, 11. Amen. Praise God. So, um, I will say this, that, um, and I'm, I'm thankful for just even, um, just she, she broke down uh, just so many things. Uh, we need instruction. We need instruction. And, and sometimes our definition of good church is when we have no instruction. Right. So, man, the spirit was moving and it was we had a blowout service and it was so good. We had no preaching. Y'all ever heard that? 
that's dangerous. That our definition of good is that we didn't get word. Um, I believe if the spirit really is moving, there's going to be word. That's the point of the spirit moving. Is to speak, <laughs> right? It's so that we'll hear. And so he can speak in different, he can speak in multiple ways. So like I said, I'm not saying we don't have moves of God and all that stuff, but you have a move of God. You need to expect to hear the voice of the Lord to give you instruction. Because if you just have an emotional experience and a high and you don't hear the voice of God and get the word in you, it will produce nothing. It's only the word that produces. And so um, one of the things that I'm just looking into and just really seeing um, and I, I believe this is in our culture, in, in kind of the Western Christian culture, there is a lack of, I'll say, depth into the word of God. Um, and so that starts with the teaching of it, right? So the teaching is not deep. And, and, the, and, the, and so there's sometimes a pressure to perform, to say something that sounds good and in a way and you know, and kind of hype people up versus um, I need you to teach me how to live through the word of God. I need, I need, I need my mind changed and renewed and I need, I need stuff that I can chew on. I need meat. And so we talked about it on Sunday that at a certain point we have to transfer from milk to meat. And uh, meat takes time to chew. <laughs> Amen. It takes time to prepare it, um, but it takes time to get it. And so, um, I just, I, I believe the Lord really wants to help us mature to a place where we can sit and talk about the word of God, amen, and discuss it and, and share about it and, and, and kind of go, I want to say not back and forth about the word of God, um, but a few years ago, I think we had tried, tried something like that. You guys remember, we, we started going downstairs and, and having that because it was trying to create an atmosphere where we could really study the word, right? Where we could really study the word because truly you get so much more out of the word of God when you study it for yourself versus just somebody speaking to you, right? Just somebody speaking to you. So I'm sorry, nobody else is talking there, but she said something about meditate. That was powerful. Did y'all get that? to meditate on the word. It's not, there's a thinking part, but there's a low, literally speaking to yourself, speaking to yourself, the power of talking, of expressing the word, of saying those things. And even the way um, the scriptures were, have been read up until pretty much the recent times, things were read out loud. Like nobody did silent reading. When you read, it was out loud. And so even in the scriptures, when it talks about reading, um, the reading was out loud because, like it was said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there was no such thing as somebody just sitting and reading and you not hearing anything. They literally would read out loud to themselves because there's power in that. We've lost that. We've lost that. And so our reading is silent and Sometimes that makes reading hard, makes retention hard. Um, but God created us that, man, you can speak it, and that will release a trigger to help you memorize it just by speaking. And then hearing, that's another 
of your senses that you're using. So you're using your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. And so that, that part of meditating on the word, we need to speak it. We need to, like I said, it's not a, it's not a loud shouting it, but that low tone, that is so powerful, so powerful. Amen. Anybody here read the word out loud to yourself? Read it out loud. Amen. Yeah, right? I know. I got to do more. Amen. <laughs> I need to do more. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start meditating on the word of God. Amen. Um, praise God. Anything else? Any other questions, thoughts, good points that arose that we need to share, talk about? Good. microphone just because I think people that amen I think the the jot and tittle part was important because it's like there's so many things that we hold or we view as being like I guess like high sin and low sin but or 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 this is this commandment is more important than that commandment and you know, I got to dress a certain way, but I don't have to love people. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to fulfill everything, every last thing I want to fulfill. So um, I know there's some, there, like, if you, when you study the scriptures, certain, certain things that Jesus did that seems weird to us, that you're like, why would he do that? That's because he was fulfilling the jot and the tittle in the law. Like that small thing in the law that we missed or the thing in Leviticus that I don't want to read because Leviticus is boring. Like Jesus fulfilled that in like Matthew 22. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, man, if we don't study it, we'll miss it. But to Jesus, that was significant, that small thing. You know, so I think that was a really good point and it's important. Amen. Praise God. Anyone else? Word said to you, learned anything, grabbed something from it. She'll chew on. Amen. Brother Logan, could you do me a favor? Put Matthew, I mean, not Matthew, Psalm 1 1 up there. Psalm 1 1. It's probably going to be like verse 3 or something, but um, <clears throat> keep going. And. Um, I'm sorry, did we skip verse 2? What's verse 2? Sorry. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Um, and so I think about that, right, to delight in it. And that part, that just that touched me just because um, that meditating on it, um, I believe when you meditate on it, it actually makes you start to delight in it. Because sometimes we think, well, I got I to gotta love it first. I got to really enjoy it, and then I'll start reading it. It's actually the other way around. You actually start doing it, reading it, meditating on it, and as you do that, it becomes your delight. So the more you get into the word, the more you'll love the word and delight in the word. Amen. Um, what do you all do to delight in the word? How do you... How do you all study the Bible? Does anybody here study the Bible? Do you have specific times that you study it? Do you just kind of read it? 
you do topical studies. How do you, yes? Includes the New Testament and the instructions on how to live uh, based on the epistles that were written by Paul and Peter and Jude and James. When you delight in the law of the Lord, you jump to obey it because you love it. And you will only discover the power of the word when you obey it because the blessing comes in obedience. And, you know, it's not, what we have is not a religion. It's not something that, you know, uh, we can come and go, you know. It's something that is real. And uh, our eternity is based on what we do in the church and out there, you know. Because that's just, we are in the kingdom of God. We are not, you know, uh, that's just how God taught me in my walk with him. I came to church when I was 24. I'm 66 years old now. You know, it's not the number of years I know that, but I'm so glad that God taught me on how to walk with him because without him, I'm nothing. If God is not with me, I would not be here. I would be dead a long time ago. But the Lord was so good and so merciful and kind, and he has a purpose for me you know, to come to America and be a witness and be, you know, be able to testify what God has done for me. Uh, I am a Gentile, and I'm not a Hebrew. You know, God gave the law to Israel because he is creating a nation. And in order to have a nation, you have to have a law and a language. And the Lord gave that to them. So... And we have a language in the kingdom of God, and we have a law in the kingdom of God, because we are his nation. Amen. We are his nation. Amen. A peculiar people, a royal priesthood. Let's show forth the praises of him. That's good. Amen. We are. So Israel is like a type and a shadow of us, right? And just how God gave them law, but it was written on tablets of stone. He took that law and he wrote it on our hearts. So, you know, so I think about this, that sometimes people think, well, now that we have Jesus, I can disregard the Old Testament. But actually, the Old Testament is what's written on your heart. That's the law that's written on your heart, right? Because it's the same, the same God that wrote those laws and said, thou shalt not kill is the same God that writes in your heart, if you're angry with your brother without cause, you've already committed murder, right? So he, he took that law and he's elevated it even to a higher level of love and the spirit and he wrote it on our hearts. And so this is why we need to know that because you need to know what your voice you're hearing. And so this, there's spirits out there that could be telling you, hey, do this. How do you know if it's God or if it's the devil? by the word, <laughs> right? That's what Jesus said. Jesus, how he was able to fight against Satan when Satan comes to him to tempt him, Jesus simply says, it is written. And every verse Jesus used, anybody know where it was from? 
what book of the Bible that was from, that Jesus says, it is written, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Every single verse that he used to fight spiritual warfare, he used Deuteronomy. So we need to uh, study the law, get that in us as Jesus did. Amen. Amen. Yeah, something else. The wages of sin is death. Um, you know, we are actually obeying uh, under the grace. We are obeying a higher standard than what the law. You know, because you said just in your thought, you're angry at your brother. You know, you're already committing murder. So you know, you have to confess your sin and ask for forgiveness, because you know. The Lord said, if we confess our sin, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sin. Yeah. God is good, yes. merciful, and kind. Amen. So, clarify a little bit. I want to make sure we get this. Um, right, so the law, and that we're fulfilling, fulfilling a higher law. So he tells them, he says, uh, you have heard that it was says you should not commit adultery. But I say unto you that if you look, to lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. And so that's why he was saying obeying the law does not produce the righteousness of God, right? The righteousness of God is love. And so if I'm walking in love, I'm going to do, I'm going to fulfill everything else. I've often said this thing, like how many of you guys walk around saying don't kill today? Don't kill, don't kill, don't kill, don't kill, don't kill, right? We don't do that. I hope not. Right? <laughs> You're like, okay, don't. You know, I'm like looking at Shabani like, okay, make sure I don't kill Shabani today. Don't kill Shabani. Well, not killing him doesn't fulfill righteousness. Right? But if I understand, God, help me to love him. I want to love him. Right? Because the law of the spirit is love. And so God, help me to love him. Guess what? And walking in that, I'm fulfilling the not killing part. I ain't got to worry about that. So this is what the Holy Ghost does in us. It takes us to a higher plane to fulfill it. But the, the, <clears throat> the symptoms, and this is, and Sister Bianca said this, that the law shines light on us to reveal sin. So how do I know it's wrong? The law, right? How do I know if I'm off? The law. How do I know if I'm following the spirit or not following the spirit? The law, <laughs> right? And so I need it. Um, it doesn't produce righteousness, but it reveals sin. It's a revealer. So we have to have the word of God in us. Amen. Praise God. Something else? Other thoughts, questions, concerns? Good. Yes. Um, it talked about, I just feel like, because I feel like God wants me to say this, it talked about um, meditating and um. I don't know if anybody's ever like sat down and meditated before, but it takes an extreme because our minds are like, oh, Facebook, oh, hamburgers, oh, like this, that. Our minds are always going. Like she was saying, she's got 50 tabs open. But um, like to truly meditate is to sit down and focus your mind on one thing. 
So, like, I don't know if anybody's ever really meditated before, but it requires a, a great amount of discipline. So there's been times where, like, I meditate on the word of God, and for some reason, or not for some reason, but, like, I'll meditate on something in, like, like First Timothy, like, and the Lord will make one word stand out. And then I'll pray and I'll, all right, God, give me understanding. And, and, and along with, you know, my studying to kind of back me up, like God will breathe on it and he'll give me just this, like this extreme understanding, you know, that you never would have gotten from, from a commentary or anything like that. So I just think it's super important to just sit down and just take, we could take like First Timothy 3.16 where it says um, God was manifested in the flesh, seen among the angels, preached. Like just sit there and you meditate on that alone and allow God to speak to you through your meditation because your mind isn't here or there. It's just it's focused and you speak it and you it's powerful, you know, just just sitting and just blocking everything out. It's just it's really powerful. So I think if we could if we could discipline ourselves to get to that point where we can really meditate on the word crazy praise god what else on your hearts on your minds somebody else <laughs> no no we're good um brother jane so uh, he was saying meditate anybody ever you hear the word meditation and you have a bad thought, like meditation is bad, right? You think like yoga, yeah, Buddhists and stuff like that. And and that type of meditation is really where you clear your mind of everything. And that's not what the Lord wants us to do. God does not want us to empty our minds. He wants us to focus our minds, right? That's what the scriptures in, I think it's Colossians, he says, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are good, think on those things. Like, focus your mind on that. So there's a meditation of the world that just says, completely empty your mind out of everything and think about nothing. That's wrong. Because you're opening your mind, you're opening doors for anything to come in. And you don't want that. <laughs> don't, you don't want to open yourself up to just whatever's out there. No, you want to focus your mind, meditate on the Lord. Amen? Good, good, good. Yes, you said the last one. Um, last but not the least, I uh, just want to um, commend you for um, encouraging the church to grow because the word of God says, my sheep hear my voice and will not follow another. A sheep is a matured lamb, and in order to become a sheep, we have to eat strong meat, and um, you know, continue to have the milk, but you gotta eat the strong meat. And strong meat sometimes is painful and hurtful because it penetrates our heart, and it creates um, rumbling in our thoughts. <laughs> But the word of God is pure, and, you know, when you know the word of God and you are a sheep, you can discern. You can discern whether the person is speaking out of love or out of personal gain. So I am grateful that the Lord has given me 
um, instruction and helped me grow. I'm still not there, but I, I, know, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going, and I know where I am before God right now. Not because of my own way, but because of the mercy of the Lord and his kindness and loving kindness towards me. You know, like I said, I don't know why he chose me, but he chose me, and I'm going to take advantage of it and love him for it. Amen. Very good. Praise God. Does anybody have anything to say about the word? Anything about what you learned tonight? Anything else? Good. The visual that she gave for fulfillment, you know, that glass of water and just saying how Jesus came to, you know, you know, fill in and do what the law couldn't do. You know, I just thought that was just awesome and just realizing who Jesus is and, you know, truly what he came to do. You know, so I, I enjoyed that visual, Sister Bianca. Nobody clapped for you when you spoke or for me. It's all good. <laughs> no, I know, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Good. Good. Do we understand it? Do we got it? Yes, you want to? Is it about the word? Not a personal thing, but is it about the word that was discussed tonight? No? Okay. All right. Amen. Praise God. So we have testimony time, but I want to talk about this word. I want to feed on it. It was very good. Um, and this is what I don't want us, not us, but I don't want us, I don't want the word to become cheap. Right? Like, oh, Bianca did a great job. And that, no, like, this was the word of God. And we need to meditate on it. This is what we're doing. We need to actually talk about this. If it's really that good, I want to, I want to spend time with it. I want to, <laughs> I want to kind of chew it around in my mind and talk and hear what your perspective and, and all that stuff and not just, oh, okay, you know, and we move on to the next thing um, with the word of God because it's just, it's so powerful. Um, and like I said, she only had four verses, but wow, <laughs> wow. Um, and that's, that's the power of the word that we could get into one little part and and you'll see something different, you know, every time you look at it, because it's alive. Amen. It's alive. Praise God. Um, so we're going to continue um, in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, next week, we're going to get into, um, I think, verse 21, um, 21 through 26, I believe, somewhere around there. And... Um, we might get through it all. We may not. Um, but I would love for us to come prepared, um, having read it, um, looking into it, pray over it. Um, and then we're going to have teaching about it. And then for us to share, you know, and it's not to pick apart the person. It's for us to take the word and meditate on it and chew on it and, uh, and, and, and settle it in our hearts. 
Amen? Um, because it has nothing to do with who presents it. It's about the word of God, the word of God. And, uh, and I just love it because each of us has the Holy Ghost in us. Well, not each of us, but as we, who's, those are sharing has the Holy Ghost in us. And so it's the spirit that's illuminating the word and bringing it to life. And, and so there's things that were brought out that was just, oof, it's awesome. Amen. So, um, praise God. Anything else? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Study Matthew 5, 21 through 26. Actually, study all of it. You can just, just start going. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Just start getting into it. And, and I love it. So these, these last two, well, the first two that we've had, um, just obviously difference, difference of administration, um, but how they dug into it. And it's like you say, Bianca, you're a, well, you call you a nerd. That's, that's just awesome. So, but, you know, there's so much there. You can get into the language and the Hebrew and the Greek and, and all of that and break it down and you'll see things that are sometimes missed in the English, uh, actually a lot of times missed in the English. And then God can give you an understanding of it from your perspective, you know, um, for like a teacher, you know, how that is. Yes. The, you said the Aramaic. Well, so the, the a lot of it was, was spoke, Aramaic was spoken, Aramaic was spoken, but it was written in Greek. Yeah, so the New Testament was written in Greek. Yeah, there are parts of the Bible that are written in Aramaic, and you'll see those expressions. Yeah, but Greek is the actual way it was written down. So, amen. Good question. Very good. Amen. So we're going to study the word. Amen. Praise God. Good. 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 Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> I haven't said it, but there are some things, Sister Bianca, that you said even in teaching tonight that spoke to a question that I was rolling around in my mind just today about some stuff if I should, if I needed to go somewhere that I felt the Lord was leading me. And your teaching tonight just confirmed some stuff. So um, I thank God for that. That's the power of the word. Through a spirit-filled person. So I want to encourage you and encourage us. Um, and then maybe not everybody up here is going to hold a microphone, but if you if if you could just believe that the word is anointed, right, and just share it with people, just speak it, um, just read it out loud. There's power in it, and and God wants to do something. Um, praise God. I'm sorry. One more thing. Bishop Bona, I'm going to, he had a message for you all today. If I can. He wasn't able to make it tonight, but um, he said this.
He says, every day brings a fresh revelation of the enormity of the harvest that is before us and in front of us. Tell the church to look to the fields because they are white already to harvest. It's from our bishop. That um, I'm thankful for the word of God. I'm thankful for what we've been given. But we have a responsibility. Let's never lose sight that there is a great harvest of people that need this wonderful word. And if we don't love it, what's the hope for them? If I don't love the word of God, if I don't cherish it and appreciate it, and so we've got to love it, and then we've got to give it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the teacher, Lord, to teach us, to lead us in the way that we should go, to illuminate the scriptures, Father, so that they would be alive in us. Thank you for writing your law in our hearts. Lord, we want to be walking and living epistles, Lord, read of all men. Lord, that we would be the word made flesh. We thank you that your word brings life, Lord. Your word produces fruit. Lord, help us to meditate on it. Help us to cherish it, to love it, Lord, like never before. Lord, to talk about it, to sit amongst one another and share and encourage one another. Lord, help us to open our mouths and to speak the word boldly. Lord Jesus, to preach the truth in love, oh God, to teach others, to make disciples of all nations, Lord, to go into the highways and the byways with your word. Oh God, to war in the spirit with your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have raised us up and chosen us for this hour for this time, oh God. I pray, Lord, a spirit of unity in the body that we would love and encourage one another. We would be knit together in love. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you have ordained for this hour, for this time, oh God. Raise us up, Lord. Stir something in us even now, oh God. Let us be forever changed, not the same. I thank you, Lord, for washing us with your word, washing our minds, washing our hearts, Lord. We want to align our thoughts, our actions, our obedience, Lord, with everything that you say. Hallelujah. Release your grace in us to obey, to submit to it, Lord, to surrender to the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. Open our eyes to the opportunities that you are giving us to speak. Give us boldness to speak the word, Lord Jesus, to go everywhere sharing your, 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 uh, your love and your compassion, oh God, to take this ministry, oh God, and to be sober about it and serious, Lord. We honor you today. We thank you that you've given us another day, another opportunity, Lord, to, to manifest you, to glorify you, to share your power and your name, oh God, to this generation, to shine light in the darkness, oh God. We thank you, Lord. We honor you. Hallelujah. We honor you, oh God. We honor you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.